Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is January 30th, 2018. This is episode 2157 of the Survival Podcast. And that's usually a Just Jack show. I've called an audible today. I have a guy named Samuel Zwan who will be on the air with us in just a minute. Um, you guys maybe have not heard me mention his name, but you've heard me mention where he's from. He is a delegate uh, with the Delegated Proof of uh, Stake program with ARK Cryptocurrency. Um, I found ARK cryptocurren Cryptocurrency about two and a half, three weeks ago. And I have never seen a cryptocurrency project that got me excited this way so quickly to where I became a, a significant holder of ARK over the last three weeks during some pretty good buying opportunities with dips down into the $4 range when it had been previously at a high of up to $10 uh, during this whole funky January, which seems to be a thing with cryptocurrency. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about with ARK. And when I found out about ARK and this proof-of-stake thing that we'll be talking about today, I'm like, I need to figure out who to use as a delegate. Well, the guy that uh, turned me on to ARK is a guy that I met on Facebook. And he said, I'm with the foundry. We really pick any one of them. Here's a profit calculator. You know, They do one of the higher payouts, but there's people that pay out as much or more than they do. Uh, I just really like what they're doing. So I checked out their kind of background and what they're up to. And what hooked me was their number one goal is to bring people into ARC that have never heard of it before. There's a lot of things that delegates do in ARC to help steer the direction of technology and implementing features and things like that. But... Every cryptocurrency has that, and ARK has a fantastic community of, of people developing in this open-source environment. I've never seen a get-shit-done environment the way I've seen around ARK, um, and, and multiple teams doing multiple things and, and creating kind of this, this bridge. In fact, there's a technology in ARK called Smart Bridging that bridges other networks and other blockchains together, and the speed at which they're getting this stuff done. So I... I don't think we need to necessarily look for the delegate with the greatest technological idea, right? What what we need is people that want to go out and actually spread the word about this new cryptocurrency because what's going to make cryptocurrencies valuable are the following things. One, people want to hold it. If you don't, if no one wants to hold it, it's 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 got a limited value that it can ever obtain. Okay, people are incentivized in some way to hold it. That's either because it, it goes up or there's some sort of mechanism. And in this case, we have you know potential for upside just from it going up in value, but we also have the proof of stake that you'll hear about today, which basically pays you to hold it. And the other thing that has to be is it has to have a utility. I've said this all the time since I started talking about this, and people said, you know, it's nonsensical, it's fake, whatever, and those people probably wish they would have listened three years ago when I started talking about this stuff, but... Um, But there has to be something that it does. Bitcoin can get away with being a reserve currency because it was first and it has first mover advantage and it has a lot of things going for it from that standpoint. But if you're going to come out and play in the world of altcoins, you got to have what the hell do you do that, that, that something else doesn't do better, right? And just well, we're faster than Bitcoin. That's not an answer to that. So it has to have a utility and it has to have unique advantages, and then it also has to have. Uh, a, a fundamental reality that people can use it. Well, if you've downloaded the ARC wallet, you know that like if you send me your address, I can just put your name, your email, and your address in there. 
And that if I ever need to send you money in the future, I just pull up your contact information to send you money. Like PayPal. Remember I had Amanda Johnson on and I love Dash and what Dash is doing, but they're working on that? They're working on a system that will be that easy to use. ARC came out in 2017 and did only like $3 million in their initial coin offering, and they have it. And it's not some third-party thing somebody made for them. It's theirs. It works. It works cross-platform. How long does it take to send a transaction in ARC wallet-to-wallet? About eight seconds. What's the charge point one ARC? I mean, this thing's got legs. So when I saw that we had a delegate in their designated proof-of-stake or delegated proof-of-stake program that was more concerned about let's get people using this than here's my genius ideas for technical innovation, even though they have some pretty good ones, That's why I decided to bring the Foundry in as my delegate. And as soon as I found out how active they were, I also wanted to bring them on the show. So I called the Audible, brought them in today. I know cryptocurrency is not everybody's cup of tea. And I'll say this as a disclaimer rate. I'm not saying to go out and take your kid's college fund and put it into ARC. I'm not saying to do anything with ARC. I'm saying to learn about it, investigate it, make your own decisions. But if this wasn't exciting, we wouldn't be doing today's show. If this didn't have unique reasons to be involved... And guys, when you're looking at something that has a $6 entry point, it probably makes something sense to do something with it. Uh, if it's got this much legitimacy going on with it. Hold your reservations on that until we have our interview with Samuel. I know this intro is going long today, but I wanted to give it a due diligence uh, of an introduction. Before I bring Samuel on, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at our two sponsors of the day today. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is RidgeWallet.com. One of the rare, rarities around here that we have a new sponsor. I brought on two this year uh, just because I wanted to bring new things to the audience. And uh, RidgeWallet, I've become a huge fan of it. I'm still getting used to reaching to my back pocket and getting scared because my wallet's not there because I carry the Ridge Wallet in my front pocket. It's designed for that. It's small, uh, and it works great, and it provides that assurance that you don't have you know, somebody using a little RFID sniffer and, and wanding your ass and stealing your identity and your credit cards. Yeah, because that's what people could do with an $8 part off of eBay unless you got Ridge Wallet. It also looks great. I, I don't think it's for everybody. I think if like, you work in a coal mine or something, like you can get dirt into it and all. It, it probably doesn't work as well for protecting you know magnetic strips and stuff from getting wiped out. But I think for most people, it's, a, it's just outstanding. And it looks good. It looks like something that a person that cares about what they're carrying would carry. And their phone case. Guys, I love the phone case. I don't know what it is about it, but it's the feel. Like, I pulled my old case off, popped my iPhone 7 in the new one, and I love it. I'm probably going to go ahead and pick up their backpack just to check it out. They sent me the, the wallet and the, and the phone case for free uh, as uh, some swag as a new sponsor. But I'll probably pick up one of the backpacks because it's just awesome. Check them out today at RidgeWallet.com. Remember, I get you guys a big discount if you're MSB members as well. So if you're MSB, get your discount before you get your Ridge Wallet. Now, if you want to have money in your wallet, right, then you want to invest smartly. And even though today's show is about cryptocurrency, I have not backed off 1%. Of my recommendations that you keep five to percent, five to ten percent of your net wealth invested over time into silver and gold. And the reason is that it is the most anonymous form of physical wealth that can be handed down from person to person with no one needing to know except the person that gave it to the other person. And it has a multi thousand year history of being a store of value and wealth. So JM Bullion was my choice when I decided to bring a sponsor on. I knew I had to have one. And when I found JM Bullion, I knew I had the right sponsor. Best prices in the industry, incredible service, free shipping, and I got you guys a discount for MSB. 
So check them out today, jambullion.com. But if you're going to order, get into your MSB, check your benefits section, and hook them up before you place your order. Next up today, let's take a look at the year in history. Uh, Southpaw Ben has an entry for us. The Chinese and the Parthians parlay. Chinese General Ban Chao sends the ambassador Gan Ying to help establish regular relations between the Parthians and the Chinese. The Parthians at one point were a part of Alexander the Great's empire, breaking off as the secluded empire upon his death. The Parthian empire takes up much of modern-day Iran. Gan Ying was sent to find and meet the Romans, who had relations with the Parthian empire at the time. Though they had been at war on and off since 66 B.C., and would continue warring until 217 A.D. Gan Ying would cross the Parthian Empire and eventually reach the Persian Gulf before being told that it was uncrossable and returning home. However, his trek made him the furthest West Chinese emissary recorded during antiquity. He did bring home descriptions of Roman traditions that, while based on some elements of truth, were largely fanciful. And Ben has a pretty interesting take, but this one's a little bit long, so I'm going to give you just kind of my summary of this. What you see here to me in this is Parthia saying, hey, we got a good thing here. The Chinese and the Romans have no direct relations, uh, and we are sitting in the middle, and we have this incredible trade route to, pr- to protect. And, you know, like, dude, you can't cross that Persian Gulf. It's possible. You're never going to be able to do it. Yeah, really? Yeah, really? I mean, this is like... When Ponce de Leon was looking for the fountain of youth, every little island he hopped in the, in South Florida Caribbean, right? Oh, it's that way. It's up north. Oh, you want to go up there? When he got into Florida, oh, no, it's up there. It's further. Like, and, and whenever conquistadors were asking, like, where's the gold? The, you know, we think of the, the natives of, of North America as being somewhat primitive, but many of them are pretty advanced societies. Oh, gold. Yeah, they got that over there. They got that. They sent them somewhere else. Well, in this case, oh, you'll never do it. Um, in other words, when a state, be it a tribal state or a nation state or any type of state, has something of value, they tend to protect it with any means necessary to retain what they have. And the power itself is generally the thing that they crave the most. History doesn't always repeat itself, but it always does seem to rhyme, does it not? With that, let's go ahead and get our special guest on the air today. Again, this is Samuel Zwan. He is from the Foundry Delegation at ARC. He's also on the ARC Community Board. Uh, he's a pretty interesting guy. Originally from the Netherlands, Samuel has now lived in several countries. After his studies in comparative media studies at uh, Utrecht University, he moved to Atlanta to enjoy more technical studies at Georgia Institute of Technology in digital media. Here he was picked up by eBay to become a technical product manager. In recent years, Samuel has become interested in cryptocurrencies Taking the leap to invest in early 2017, he's been with ARC almost since the beginning and being very active in their community. has made his way into becoming a top 51 delegate within ARC. Besides being a delegate, he also sits on the ARC community board. I'm really excited to have him on today to talk about this new cryptocurrency. Samuel, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack. Nice to be here. Hey, I'm glad to have you on. Um, I found you by uh, first finding the ARC cryptocurrency and then looking for a delegate and choosing uh, the foundry. But before we, we get into ARC and, and what you guys do as delegates, uh, can you tell us just a little bit about who is Samuel like? You know, how did you grow up and, and how did you end up walking a path that eventually led you to, you know, getting involved with cryptocurrency? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. So maybe good to start with uh, that I'm actually from, uh, from the Netherlands. I'm, I'm Dutch, and, uh, but moved around a lot. Uh, moved to the U.S. at one point. I lived in Atlanta for a while studying at Georgia Tech. 
kind of getting uh, myself acquainted with uh, with technology, programming a little bit, um, building some hardware here and there. Um, then I got picked up by eBay, uh, moved to New York, and uh, work uh, still work at eBay actually. So this is also where I spend uh, spend a lot of my time as a technical product manager. And I think you know as I started working at eBay, I kind of got more and more ingrained in that tech scene and started hearing more and more about uh, blockchain also. And, uh, you know, before you know it, some buddies around me also start hearing about blockchain and started to look more into that. And quite quickly, you know, started noticing a couple of different cryptocurrencies and coins that I thought were, you know, were interesting and started to fascinate me. And it took me quite a while, actually, to uh, to take the leap and actually invest something. I think for, for a long time, I was just reading about it and trying to understand more what's going on in this space and, uh, you know, a little bit hesitant to actually throw money in there. But at one point, you know, found some projects that uh, that I liked, such, such as ARC, for instance, and uh, uh, and jumped into it. Yeah. Our stories are similar. I'm pretty conservative. So it took me a while to come around to this whole cryptocurrency thing. I was talking about the, the virtues of it, let's say, three and a half years ago. And I have listeners who are like, Man, I thank you so much. I got into Bitcoin three and a half years ago, and I'm like, yeah, you were 18 months ahead of me. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it it really is a good thing to understand things before you put money up, and that's a big reason that I brought you on today. Because for, first of all, when I found Ark, um, I've actually not ever been as excited about a crypto project ever. Uh, the activity level alone is just it, you're kind of a get shit done attitude. Is what the whole community seems like. Let's act, instead of talking about it, let's go do it. Um, so I wanted to make sure that the audience could become informed if they wanted to get involved, so that they could make an informed decision rather than hey, you know, like a fear of missing out or something like that. Because I don't like that philosophy. Uh, on that note, you know, kind of what is Arc in a nutshell? How would you explain Arc to somebody? who had never heard of it, and by the way, I'll tell you what hooked me uh, on your delegation, was I read something, I think it was on Medium or Slack, somewhere you guys had posted, you said your number one goal was to introduce ARC to people that never heard of it. And I'm like, that, that's, that's the type of activism I like to see in a project. So, but you know, on that note, what is, what is ARC? Yeah, yeah, let me, let me jump into that. And you know, saying so many things also that are kind of interesting to, to leap on right now. Uh, uh, the, the, the proposal that we have and, and focusing on people that haven't heard about ARC yet, trying to introduce it to them um, is definitely one of our, of our main goals. But, you know, let me start at the, um, at the beginning, right? Like what, what is ARC? And if you've never heard about it, you know, let's start, let's start simple in that sense. Uh, a lot of people, when they talk about ARC, they, uh, they also say the ARC ecosystem. You see it on our, our Reddit as well. It's the ARC ecosystem Reddit. And that maybe, you know, starts to, to kind of ring some bells already when you hear ecosystem. I think the way to kind of introduce ARC in a very simple way is, is that it's an ecosystem on which you can build further. And there's other examples in the space as well, right? So, you could say that a, a coin such as NEO, but also Ethereum, which is um, um, very well known, right, or, or Stellar, are also uh, platforms or ecosystems upon which others can build. And it's the same with, with ARC. So ARC is providing others with uh, a place 
where you could build a, a, a project on blockchain in that sense. Um, but what ARC tries to do is it tries to simplify that for others. And because if you were just to um, uh, tell somebody, you know, uh, I want to start a blockchain and, and, and with, with a specific idea in mind, where do you start, right? It's not that simple to just say, all right, um, I'll, I'll, have a, I'll, I'll start a blockchain then tomorrow and, and build my project on that. A lot of people don't even you know, know how, to, how to start a blockchain or how to build that. Um, there is you know, very well-known figures in the space like uh, Andreas Antonopoulos um, who kind of explained that the amount of people that actually have expert knowledge about blockchain is, uh, is a very limited amount of people. So what ARC is trying to do is it's trying to build an ecosystem that makes it a lot easier for, for people to build. And they, they want to do that just to give an example, right? They're building a feature which is called uh, push-button deployable blockchain. And it's kind of in the name already, right? Where if you want to you know, have your own blockchain, it almost becomes as simple as pushing a button and then you can launch your own blockchain. Um, that all sounds amazing, right? Like, great, right? I have a blockchain, but now what? Um, what ARC also then provides is kind of a lot of tools and um, 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 for a developer to then use and build. So this is called the, the ARC virtual machine. It's the same with Ethereum, right? You also have an Ethereum virtual machine. Um, but that, what that basically provides is it provides you with a suite of capabilities which you can then use on the blockchain in that sense. Um, and there's tons of other features as well, but I think this is, this is kind of at the basis, is a nice way of understanding ARC, that it's this platform, this ecosystem, upon which you could build all kinds of different projects, which is also happening today. You see that also with, with a coin like NEO, right? They, there's a lot of news that they have a lot of ICOs coming up this year, which means there's other people, other developers that have decided we are going to build um, our project on the NEO platform or in that ecosystem. Um, the difference, of course, is, is that these ecosystems provide kind of different functionalities and, and different features that make them, you know, cool. So, like I said, Arc's example, for instance, is this push-button deployable blockchain, so it's very easy to start a blockchain. Another cool feature, just to exemplify it, and something that's very specific to Arc, is that they want to work on what's called <coughs> interoperability between blockchains. And what that means is, you know, you can launch multiple blockchains, um, and they can be completely separated from each other and have nothing to do with each other, right? And you can kind of wonder, well, you know, if at one point we have, you know, 50, 100, or thousands of blockchains, and they cannot communicate with each other, isn't that really the smartest way forward, right? Because you can make a lot of arguments for certain blockchains to actually be able to communicate with each other, because maybe they both provide use cases or functionality that would complement each other in a very nice way. So what ARC is also doing kind of as part of their ecosystem is providing at the basis, so at the core of the platform, this interoperability functionality. So if you launch multiple blockchains on ARC, if you want, you can have these blockchains also 
communicate with each other. And this is something that ARC is working on very actively, and they can also uh, do this outside of the ARC ecosystem. So there is ways in uh, there are there are ways in which ARC and Ethereum, for instance, can communicate with one another. Um, so I think that's that's kind of in a nutshell. And maybe I went even no, it's it's great already. Yeah, uh, that's what what ARC is. I would say yeah. A couple of things before we move forward from there. Like, so I think one of the things that people need to really understand, and I don't think people do yet, is that there's going to be a lot of blockchains in the future that don't issue top tokens in an ICO. They're going to f- perform a function for a company, whether it be using somebody else's uh, cryptocurrency as part of a sales mechanism, or whether it be a database management scenario or a teamwork environment or something like that. And that point-click blockchain, like, because I've had people say, why don't you roll out survival podcast token? I'm like, I don't have a... I don't have an ecosystem big enough to make that work from you know, all it would be is a, a shit coin raising money, basically. And I'm, I'm not going to do that. But there are like you can see like a company even with a couple hundred employees may, and uh, uh, thousands of customers having use for blockchain technology that might not necessarily have a token or even if they have a token, that token serves a utility that really isn't, hey, here's my ICO, give us money. It's more along the lines of, this is how we're going to manage transfer data or empower interaction. And then being able to reach out onto, let's say, at the same time, a Ethereum blockchain and a Bitcoin blockchain from that blockchain with ARC in the middle, that's, that's what really excited me the most when I found ARC. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, you can you kind of hit a couple of the very of the right notes in that sense um, companies you know are also discovering blockchain right now right and they are also interested in this but if you walk into any random company today and you were to ask them you know so go ahead and start a blockchain right they would they wouldn't even know where to begin so one making that easier and simpler um, is 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 a great move right because ARK can then create partnerships um, go to these companies or these companies will come to ARK in that sense and they will have this clear message of, hey, we've, we've learned that it's very easy to set up a blockchain with, with ARK and we want to do that as a company because we have, you know, use case 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and we want to do all of it and that will become very easy with ARK. And then secondly, as you rightfully mentioned, if you then want to create that interoperability, right, with within the ARC ecosystem or even outside of the ARC ecosystem, that then becomes possible, right? So executing a smart contract on Ethereum using um, a, a blockchain within the ARC ecosystem is a possibility then. And I think that just opens up such a, such a wide variety of um, use cases and opportunity for companies that becomes yeah, very exciting, I think, and is something... You know, we're we're really at the beginning of that with Arc. I mean, there's still certain features that are in development, right? But are very close to being finished. But um, <coughs> I think in the next couple of weeks to months, you will see some of these main features, such as the push-button deployable blockchain. You will see that finishing and will be available to whomever wants to use um, Arc. And that's um, I think that will be be an exciting time. And I think that will be. Uh, it will be really cool to be uh, 
yeah, to be on, on board ARC in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it kind of makes me think it's a totally different thing, but in some ways it isn't. Back when the Internet first started to take off, if you wanted a web page for instead of a site, because that's what people had as a page back then, you had to go out and pay some programmer that knew HTML, raw HTML. Very few did, not because it was hard, because it was new. Uh, you know, a couple thousand bucks to, to put out a page today that you would be embarrassed by, right? And then Dreamweaver and Front Page and Site Builders and things like that came along. And then all of a sudden we went from, you know, Yahoo went from a directory to a search engine because it couldn't function as a directory anymore. And the Internet exploded. And then all these different technologies took off. But they're all based around the, still the same concept of, you know, this, this, this hypertext language with these add-ons like Java and what have you. And it was empowering people to be able to go out and actually deploy that made everything take off. And, and so to me, it sounds very similar in a totally different world, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, I think that's a good comparison. That makes total sense. And I think what's, I mean, this is my, my personal view, right? But I think it's still in, within blockchain. It's very much the, the time of platforms still, platforms and these, also these enterprise solutions and whatnot. Um, I think those still really have a lot of room to to grow and and be adopted, and there can be multiple solutions out there, right? Like uh, like Arc, Neo, Ethereum, and whatnot, and each kind of has a, a slightly different twist. But it's much more right now still the time of these platforms, and there are also different tokens, right, and different ICOs and whatnot that are much more you know, almost product focused, right? You, mm -hmm. you really also have these companies that are kind of delivering a, a, a one use case, very specific use case and, and one product in that sense. And although that can be very cool and successful as well, the, the, the opportunity there and the, the room for growth, I think is much smaller, right? Because it's just that one use case. It's just that one product that you are offering. So just, just to make it very practical, right? Just an example is if you want, you can um, create a token right now uh, for, uh, let's see if I have anything in my house right now. I mean, you could do like a, a Spotify thing, right? Let's say you do Spotify, but you do it on blockchain and then you create a token for it and it kind of then works at to, to kind of pay for your music, but at the same time, the artist. Something like that, right? It's just sure. an example. That can be successful if, if you do it well, and maybe there's lots of advantages of doing that on blockchain, but then that's your use case, right? That's it. You are this music platform, that's your product, and you have a token for it. The difference with these, these platforms and these ecosystems like Arc and Neo and whatnot is they are the foundation upon which you would ideally build those kinds of use cases and products, right? You yep. could build a product like, like that Spotify example that I gave. You could build that on Arc, but you could also build all these other products and examples on these kinds of platforms. And I think what's a good thing to realize is, is that that is, a, that is a phase that is happening right now that's still starting up, that's still very fresh and very new. And these, these different platforms are, are kind of, battling right now to, you know, get the partnerships, get the attention, get that new killer feature on their platform. Um, and that's, like I said, that that's where a lot of growth is still happening, where a lot of exciting development is um, is still happening right now. Um, and and I, I think ARC is, uh, is a big contender there and is offering certain features, 
like like these the, the the easy deployable blockchain right like this interoperability that are very unique and they are very far along the development line where yeah arc will be a serious contender in that space no and i mean i think like one of the things i would say if you were a company trying to choose a place to develop your blockchain technology a, a huge reason to take up with arc is not just ease of use but then okay let's say in the future i want to do something strategic with uh, a company that built their project on the Ethereum protocol, I'm not locked out, right? I, I can, I, and, and if something new comes along with this type of technology, it, was, it would be reasonable that ARC, if ARC wants to sit in this kind of middle position where we can do this interoperability, that whoever or whatever I may want to work with, or from a, from a, a purely capital-intensive thing, if I ever buy out an entity, or some entity bought, wants to buy us out. The value add that this can be interoperable is huge. I think that is like a massive thing. Whereas you might choose another horse to run with, and you might find that you don't have the interoperability with the third one, right? Because it would obviously would work with R because it's built to do that. So that's kind of cool. And we've kind of talked about a lot of this. I just want to. Throughout, kind of like the, I'm not telling you to put your kids' college money in ARC uh, disclaimer again, but you know, with all this said, like, what are some of the besides the fact that it's got this great use case scenario? What are some reasons that people should consider at least if they're going to be investing in crypto to invest in ARC? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of interesting points there, right? So we've talked about some of the um, features that are already there or that are soon to be there. Um, so let's, let's let's not jump into that, but I think reasons to, if you want to invest in, in crypto, right, and reasons to invest in ARC, one is is the development team is really solid, right? So it's not just about, hey, there are, there are cool features and you have cool plans right now, but they are actually building it and they are delivering it. So if you were to go to the ARC website and you would look at the roadmap, it's not just a well, here's our plans. It's here's all the things that we have delivered already. Like the Arc blockchain is it's there. It's running. And we have uh, mobile wallets on Android, on iOS. The, 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 the Arc wallet is super slick, works really well. But to come back to it, the, the development team is very solid, um, is very strong on delivering, uh, is also growing. So there's more, more developers that are working on Arc, which is always a good sign. Second point, which is very strong, I think, is that Park has a very strong community. It's a very large community, but it's also a very loyal and, and strong community. So I've been part of that community for a long time now, and um, you know, I chat with these guys every day. Um, they influence Park very heavily, also with their uh, with their ideas, and the developers also interact um, on a very regular basis with the community pitch ideas, try to get feedback. I think that's always a very um, strong sign also. One, one maybe very ARC-specific thing, and this is, a, this is a detail, but I think it's a, it's a funny one and it's good to know, is that ARC also gives no dates. Um, so you have, you know, you have companies with roadmaps and they have an exact date on this is the date where we are going to deliver our feature. But... Arc does it a little bit more high level in that sense. So you can see the roadmap and you can see the percentage of completion of the feature, but they won't give you a fixed date of when it will end. And I think that's pretty smart, right? I mean, like I said in the beginning, I work 
I work at eBay, right? And at eBay, we also have this agile way of working, right? And we don't say, you know, exactly on this day, this is when you can expect the feature. Because the truth is, there are so many factors that can influence the development of a feature. Either speed it up or slow it down, right? And I, I think it's a pretty smart move on the uh, development side to say, you know, we don't give dates, we give you kind of an approximation of when these things happen. And I think that resonates, I think in the end that resonates well with the, with the community also, that that's a, that's a way of working. I think um, one thing about that that it does is it, it prevents companies from rolling something out that's really not done because they don't want to miss their date. So they roll out something that's really incomplete and really lackluster, but they, they especially want everybody in the, in the project is holding the token. Like if, if we miss this date, it's bad for the token price. Like if you're doing things that way, you're not going to do that. There's no incentive to do that then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think one thing you could say about Arc is Arc is a development-first company. They focus on the development of the feature, making it solid, make sure that it looks good, test it, uh, so that you're not rolling out something that's broken, right? That's their focus, right? And once they do that well, then they will market it, and then they will talk about it, but not the other way around, right? I mean, people that have been in crypto for a while, they, they're familiar with these things, right? It's like making announcements about announcements, those kinds of things, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, stay tuned, guys. Like, next week, we will have big news for you, like, at Everybody knows it will be a big disappointment, right? Like because if you actually have something to tell, then you don't need to announce that you're going to talk about it, right? And I think me personally, I really dislike it when companies have that kind of way, that way of working, right? Where it's marketing first, and and then we'll worry about the technology and 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 the way we develop, right? And you know this is also why in some ways Arcus is steel right now. I mean. They are delivering, they are building, there's a solid development team, the technology comes first, uh, and then the marketing will happen. And Arc is very close to delivering some, some big features that will really make, I think, the adoption of the Arc ecosystem um, very easy, and, 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 and we will see that adoption happen. But because they do development first and they focus on that technology, Maybe it's been flying under the radar a little bit, right? Because they don't do announcements about announcements and whatnot. There is this attitude of let's make sure that we have a product that we are proud of that works well, and then we will go around the globe and talk about it, right? And we are still in a phase where they're working on the product and delivering some of these main features so that then everybody will adopt the platform, right? And that's why I would say it's still a very good time to to jump into Arc, right? I mean, in some ways, you could say that once all your big features have landed, right, and it becomes very easy to use the platform and people start to adopt it, you're kind of one or two steps too late. I mean, you could still jump in, of course, but everybody at that point is saying, ah, I, wish I, I wish I jumped in like four weeks ago before... <laughs> They, they finished all these big features, right, and, and, and the adoption started. And I think there's still a, this is still a good time to jump in, but not only from an investment point of view, right? I think it's also a good time to jump in if you are interested in this community aspect, right? 
Um, it's, a, it's a solid community. I think it's fun to participate in it. And if you jump into it right now, you're also kind of part of that whole experience, right, of the product coming to fruition and the big features that are landing. And I think that's, that's a cool experience as well. And that's something that attracted me a lot to ARC as well and why I, why I sticked with ARC and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, also put some of my money in there. Excellent. I, I mean, I completely agree. It's a big part of what I'm excited about. Another feature that I'm really excited about, and I think is a, a compelling reason in many ways to be involved, is delegated proof of stake. And as a delegate, that's kind of where you fit into this. So can you tell us what exactly is delegated proof of stake? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wanted to almost mention it a couple of times already, but I realized if I, if I say delegated proof of stake, then I will have to go into it, and then it will take take a little bit of time. Um, so that's something that's that's um, very particular to Arc. I mean, there's some other coins that have it as well, but um, delegated proof of stake is is basically the way in which Arc secures its network, right? And there's different ways in which that happens within crypto. So the the most a familiar one to people is probably proof of work, which is Bitcoin, for instance. So, you know, there you have these big mining farms and they have all their, 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 their servers and their computers and they're basically proving that they are working, right? And if you prove that you work, then you will get a reward, which is, you know, a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, that's something that people are probably somewhat familiar with. Um, at the same time, there's a lot of downsides to that, right? One is um, not very... Uh, good for the environment to have big mining farms filled with computers that are constantly trying to, you know, do their proof of work and securing the network in that sense. Um, also, it's not for everybody, right? I mean, to set that up is not that easy, but also to actually, you know, compete with these mining farms that exist, I mean, is, is not possible, right? Maybe you could still make, you know, a little bit with it if you do that, but that's about it. Also with proof of work, right, is your, what's your involvement with the community, right? In some ways, it's zero. I mean, you don't have to interact with the community or anything like that. You just have to, you know, run your mining rig and that's it, which maybe some people, uh, you know, enjoy and like, and then that option is out there for you. The thing with ARC is ARC has a different system, right? It's called delegated uh, proof of stake. So the way that works is ARC has 51 delegates who have a node, um, which is then securing the network. So their nodes are basically you know, running blocks or ARC blocks and running, uh, processing the transactions and what we call forging ARC. You could kind of call it mining, but we call it forging ARC which means they're also creating new ARC as they are processing the blocks with ARC transactions in there. That's maybe a little bit of, of the technical side of it, right? That's okay, they have their nodes, they're securing the network, they're processing the blocks with the transactions and whatnot. There's also much more of a kind of communal part to it. So it's called delegated proof of stake because there are 51 delegates. Now, these 51 delegates are not there by chance. These 51 delegates are actually selected by the community. They are voted in by the community, by people that actually hold the ARC coin, and they choose to vote for a specific delegate. <coughs> um, 
Why do they do that? There's two. Well, there's multiple reasons for it. One is if you vote for a delegate, usually the delegates will do something in return for that. So I would say every one of the 51 delegates that's been voted in right now also returns a certain amount of ARC back to the voter. So you also actually make some ARC by holding ARC and voting for a delegate. Um, that's one chunk of it. The second chunk is, is that these delegates don't only return ARC to their voters so that the voters can you know, make a little bit of, of, of ARC. They usually also uh, very actively work on ARC in a variety of ways, right? I mean, some, some delegates will work on actual development, so they will build uh, features for ARC or for ARC voters to make things um, easier and better. There's also delegates that have a very different focus, right, that are more marketing-focused, trying to market ARC and get the word out there. Um, and, and let me see what other proposals are there from the top of my head. I mean, that, that's, that's the main chunk, I think. It's mainly a division between marketing and development right now. Um, it's, in a lot of ways, it's like a voluntary republic where every citizen – has something at stake in order to be a citizen. Uh, yeah. it, it's, in some ways, it's like, and I, don't, I almost don't want to use this word because it has such a negative connotation, and I think if it's a forced system, it is, but in a voluntary system, it, it can be a beautiful thing. In some ways, it's an oligarchy, a democratically elected republic oligarchy, in that the people that have the biggest stake in it get to make the biggest decisions, yet... They only get to do that at the discretion of the rest of the citizens and how much they put at stake. Um, so that instead of this whole like you know one person one vote thing, what you actually have is the people with the most vested interest in success are the ones that make decisions. Because one of the things I hear that scares the hell out of me when I hear some of these other cryptocurrencies is when people are complaining about like let's say a feature in Bitcoin and, and well everybody just wants them to do this. And I think to myself, well, what is the technological knowledge of everybody, right? Like, right now, I've got a whole crew of people outside building an outdoor kitchen for me. I could build an outdoor kitchen okay, but nowhere near to the level that they can. So I take my money and give it to them and under my supervision say, hey, I want you guys to use your expertise to build this to my vision, but if I have a bad idea... I want you to say, don't do that because it's going to fall on your head or break or whatever. The concrete's going to crack, what have you. And in some ways, I see that, that art being very much like that, that you have this certain level of technical expertise, and you guys have to put up a significant stake in the way of your own arc and in the resources to run a node. And then you have to earn the respect of people like myself to come in and say, I'm going to make the foundry my delicate, and I'm going to spend an arc to do that. And, and I think that's that's very, very powerful because it creates a stability, but yet you still have enough of an agility. Because I think as we either have, you have currencies that are very, very agile, but they make mistakes, and you see bad things happen because of it. Or they seem like they're very dinosaur-like, and they can't adapt, and they can't move, because this is a brand new technology. And to think that, you know, I don't care how brilliant Satoshi was, that he got it 100% perfect out of the gate is just, come on, right? So... When we have this ability to have agility with stability, and that's that's kind of what I see out of ARC. Yeah, I think those are good points, and you can also kind of yeah separate them again between 
more technical aspects, right? Such as, you know, the fact that we have 51 delegates, for instance, that run their nodes and they run their nodes in a very, you know, solid way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be part of that top 51, right? So there is technical expertise there. Because it's not like there's not like 100 waiting to get one of those spots. There's a whole laundry list, a line of people saying, I want to do this too. So if someone's not doing their job, they're... Their, their voters are going to just withdraw and go somewhere else. Exactly. That, that's, that's, a, that's, that's also a chunk of it. Uh, one, thing, one thing about the technical part is also is that we have having 51 delegates is also a very functional thing, right? It makes our network very fast and very, very quick. Yet at the same time, by being this delegated proof of stake system where people have to vote us in, it's still a decentralized system in that sense. Um, it's a it's important to note, I think, because this 50, the fact that it's 51 makes it pretty fast. And if you start to add more and more and more and more nodes, you don't actually necessarily make your network faster. But that's a very kind of technical part of it, right? But I think that's important to mention, right? That that's also partially where the where the 51 number comes from in that sense. It very functionally also creates a fast network. But then to your point also where you're absolutely correct is that you want to then have 51 delegates and nodes that do their job, right, in a very, very solid way. And if they don't, then the community will simply vote them out and they will lose more and more votes. Sometimes that can take some time, right? It's not as if within five seconds then a delegate drops out of the top 51, but certainly not every behavior will will, will just fly, right? And then We've seen this happen often where a delegate loses their spot in the top 51 and then there will be somebody else to take that spot. So there are nodes outside of the top 51 that uh, naturally would like to be within that top 51 in that sense, but they need more votes to get in there. And you get the votes by either having, well, by having a good proposal, right? And by doing good work for the ARC community, by securing the network, running a proper node, being there for the community and developing ARC further. And I think that is indeed a very interesting system, which is working very well um, and also is, you know, demanding on um, on a delegate in that sense. You can't just, you know, expect to have a proposal be voted in the next day and then kind of run your node and walk away. Like that will fail. For one, you won't be voted in. There's people trying every day that don't have a solid proposal, for instance. Uh, and then secondly, if you're in that top 51, but you will just walk away, then people will stop voting for you and they will just move to another delegate. It's kind of like a starting position on a football team. You can be the starter, but there's, there's, there's 12 guys that want your spot. There's 12 rookies every year trying to get on your team, and two or three maybe will get through the door, and they're sitting there on the bench, but they want your spot. And that's why you see, like, these elite athletes, you know, when they have millions of dollars, they still they train every day because that hungry new guy is waiting for them to, 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 to fall just a little bit. It just takes that 1% off of, the, of the, the optimum of the game, and that rookie steps in and becomes the starter. And, and to me, that's a very, very incentivized system. I, I think we've gotten into a world today where a lot of people seem to, like, I don't know, hate money and think that money's evil or whatever. But I think that there's, if you want performance, then you need incentive. And, and the best incentive I know to get people to do things right now 
is money. It's not the only one. Happiness, you know, joy, love. And they say money can't buy happiness. You know what? It can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski in my life. <laughs> it's, it's, that's true, right? And I mean, I think people won't, uh, won't deny that within crypto. I mean, if, if you look at these other systems that we talked about, like proof of work, it's the same thing, right? People, people mine Bitcoin because it's profitable and they don't mind Bitcoin uh, uh, if, if it's at a loss, right? At least generally speaking, these, these mining farms that exist, they, they want to make money in that sense and that's the incentive. Uh, and that's what secures the network then also. And it's the same with, with ARC. Um, but I think by having that delegated proof of stake system, you kind of manage to combine financial incentive with community purpose in that sense and, and furthering ARC. It's not just about, you know, running your, your, your mining rig, so to speak. It's 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 partially about that so that you secure the network, but then it's also about you know listening to your voters, doing well for your voters, for the art community, uh, uh, and and building out the ecosystem in that sense. And that's something that's almost inherently built into this delegate proof of stake system. Yeah, and I mean my my mentality, just so you can kind of get it, is like like when I looked at different potential delegates, some of them were doing payouts of like 99% or even 100%. And I'm like, I don't, I don't actually want that delegate. And the reason I don't want that delegate is I don't feel they're incentivized enough because they're not getting enough of a, a benefit. Like you guys do a high payout, but you retain enough to like make it worth all this work. And I mean, I'm back again, back to the dawning of the internet, right? I remember there were all these services that came out and I was building businesses online and people were like, well, I'm using this because it's free and I'm using that because it's free. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to make a linchpin in my business a free service because I don't know how they're going to sustain that free service. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what, what what I would say, right, is is that there's a there's a wide variety of proposals out there, and that's a nice that's a nice thing because it it also means there's probably something there for everybody, right? Like the one one person is maybe very focused on technical development and wants to pick a delegate that's very focused on technical development in that sense. Um, our, our delegate or the foundry, what's, what, what's, is what our delegate is called, has slightly different focus, right? Purposefully done also because we want to add to that variety of proposals. So we focus much more on how can we introduce ARC to people that might have never heard about this, right? Or don't have ARC yet. Um, so what we try to do with the Foundry is, you know, kind of actively do ARC outreach also. So we're, we're organizing a meetup in the Netherlands on February 10th, for instance. You know, we'll have some beers, we'll have some snacks, but then we also will try to introduce ARC to people face-to-face, -face, talk about it. I think... You know, sometimes it also helps to be face-to-face, -face, right, so that they can see, ah, here's actually a person that, that is interested in this and is invested in this. But apart from that, we also reach out to people via the different channels online. We're always on the ARC Slack trying to answer questions to people that are interested in ARC. Um, there are different events that we go to, blockchain events, hackathons, etc., you know, not to run up to every person and say, arc, 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 but to be 
kind of ingrained in that culture, right? This is a whole, this is a whole space, right? This crypto space, and there's more and more people that are jumping in every day. And I think as long as you make yourself available, you are there, you are somewhat visible, then you give people the opportunity to, you know, reach out to you in a very kind of simple and easy way. Uh, and then they can ask away. And it honestly, it really, it really starts from zero sometimes, which I find really exciting and motivating. So I've really talked to people also that said, I have never bought any cryptocurrency before. I have zero idea what I need to do. ARK looks interesting to me. Can you help me buy this? And then we're really starting to talk about opening accounts where you can buy crypto with your dollars, right? And then how do you transfer your dollars to an exchange where you can buy ARK? And then how do you get ARK in your ARK wallet? And then how do you vote? Which for people that are in the crypto space is probably a piece of cake and would take... It's the, it's the easiest crypto to use the way that it's intended to be used that I've touched. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I put it. But for a new person, like everything you just said, the hardest part is right up until you have your ARK. Then it gets easy. Like it, yeah. it's actually getting in the game that's the hard part. Getting fiat into Bitcoin so you can get it onto you know Bitrix or or what have you, and then buying the Ark. Once you have the Ark, moving it to your wallet, voting. It's that's what I love about Ark. One one of the many things is the wallet. Like all this, you're talking about these communities and groups. If you can get people together that normally do business together and show them how the Ark wallet works, they can start trading Ark tomorrow. The yeah. only challenge is getting into crypto in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree. And then and then especially if you are completely new to it, right, then getting into crypto is, is a bit of a step. And even there, the, the our delegate, right, the foundry is, is providing support with that and helping out people to make that first step. But I agree that once you're in there, right, like using Arcus, piece of cake. I mean, if you've, if you've seen the wallet, I mean, transferring crypto to your wallet is simple. Voting for a delegate is super simple. And it, it that almost kind of speaks for itself in that sense. And we also get a lot of compliments from within the crypto space on how the ARC wallet works and, um, and, and what it looks like. It's all very kind of very simple, effective and, uh, and very usable in that sense. And but this is something that we, you know, the foundry helps out with and supports people. We also provide kind of a little bit of an incentive, right? We were just talking about um, how a little bit of a monetary incentive can help people make that first step. And, um, you know, transacting cryptocurrencies from one account to another costs a little bit of money. Voting costs a little bit of, of, of arc. So what we do with the foundry, we say, you know, if you take that step and you jump in, then we will transact a little bit of ARC to you so you don't lose any ARC. In fact, you actually, you know, make a little bit of ARC, which we also, you know, do as a sign of good good faith, right? Like you you were willing to jump into ARC, you're willing to, you know, download the wallet and vote for a delegate and be part of our community, then let's make that as easy as possible for you as well. And, uh, and 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 help you out there and provide you with a little bit of arc. Um, you have to make it simple. Awesome, awesome. I, I think the one of the things I like about the wallet is it's kind of like it's got a contact manager light system. Like it's not a full on CMS, but like you, when you set up a contact in there with their name and their email and their address, 
they stay in there. So that means that if, if you and I routinely do business with each other, let's say I, let's say you're a contractor for me, right, Samuel? You're a contractor for me. You do not a lot, but on occasion you do programming work for me. If you're willing to take ARC, once you're in that, my wallet, I can pay you every time you do work for me in ARC, and it's seamless and it's fast. It's, it, it, when I transferred my first ARC out of Bittrex, it took longer for the, the withdrawal confirmation email to come from Bittrex that it took for the ARC to show up and begin getting confirmed in my wallet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super quick. I mean, right now our block time or, or transaction time is, is, uh, is eight seconds, and actually ARC is completely rebuilding its core. Um, the work is progressing really fast. So, I, like I said, ARC, ARC gives no dates, right? But my expectation would be that we will see that within February or March. Um, that's that's my my personal perspective, right? But that's um, if, if I see how quick that development is going, and then um, the network will be even quicker, more efficient. So you'll see more of that, and then yeah, to the to the wallet and the wallet functionality, you totally agree, right? It, it's very easy, especially if you use it regularly. You can have multiple accounts also within your wallet. We'll also see wallet functionality expand over time. Um, and you know what we mentioned early on as well, we have a, we have the mobile as well, right? So we have a pretty solid desktop wallet, but it also works on on Android, works on on your iOS. Uh, it's almost out in the App Store, and, um, but it is already you know a, a functional app in that sense. But um, um, hopefully Apple uh, uh, releases it soon in the App Store. Um, but those work really well, really slick, very easy to use, and there's not that many coins out there that have, you know, wallets both on mobile and desktop that work so kind of simple and intuitively. I had a rep on from Dash last summer, and they were saying they wanted to make their wallet grandma-friendly. If it was yes. as easy as PayPal, grandma could use it. I found Ark, I'm like, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing, because these guys got this done. I mean, anybody that can use a computer can use the ARC wallet. Um, and when I see that light customer management system, just put this in your back burner or something. But I, when, when I, one of the questions I've been asked is why would a company use a cryptocurrency versus fiat, given the whole thing? And I've always said, boy, if you can integrate a fully functional CMS system with cryptocurrency and blockchain, you know, why? Well, especially with a delegated proof of stake. So that a company can have something like, let's say you got a, a guy that's got a discretionary budget. He can purchase up to $5,000 a month without going through anybody. But yet he's still got to have an expense report and a credit card. And there's still potential for fraud. But if his manager can allocate a crypto of any kind, right, and he, the manager can allocate but not spend, and the person that receives it can only spend it with approved vendors, you've eliminated fraud. You've eliminated any need for expense reporting and tracking. Everything's automated. And it, it's and when I look at Arc, I say like of everything I've looked at, the thing that has the potential someday to deliver that is Arc. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well. I think you know to go to go back what we discussed in the beginning also is that Arc as an ecosystem or a platform is trying to to provide all those different features that a company could then if they want, right? Could use it. I mean, you don't you don't have to then use all of it, right? So an example is um, we right now have 51 delegates for the Arc ecosystem, right? 
if you use the push button deployable blockchain and, and start running your own blockchain um, uh, for your company, for instance, you can also say, I want uh, 150 delegates. That's perfectly fine, right? That's all configurable and you can uh, uh, do with that whatever you want. The point is the ecosystem is there and the features are there. If you want to use the, the Arc Wallet, you can use the Arc Wallet, right? And we see, we see examples of this today, right? So there are other uh, uh, crypto companies right now that are using the Arc blockchain, right? So examples are Persona or Kapu. Um, these are other cryptocurrency projects that are using the Arc blockchain. And as such, they can use the features that exist on Arc, right? So they can also use the Arc wallets and they don't have to do anything fancy for that. They can just use it. Of course, they change the design a little bit so that it kind of represents their project. Um, and they can do this with this delegated proof of stake system as well. They can have their 51 delegates or their 100 delegates. And that's the whole point behind Arc is make it very simple to start your own project and have all the benefits of what has been built within the ARC ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you, the way you're describing it, you could run companies, you could run divisions, you could run nonprofits, you could run anything where group decision-making needs to be part of the process with the delegate program, and that's just one little piece. Um, and you, you kind of led on to this, but what are some projects, uh, not, not projects, what are some of their, their bigger upcome like milestones, things that you're expecting to see out of ARC you know, in the next two months, six months? Yeah, I think... I think and timing-wise, it's, 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 it's my interpretation, right? But I would say, so the first thing that probably is going to, to land, right? And I think that's not a secret. I mean, you can look at the ARC roadmap in that sense, is this new core, right? So they are completely rebuilding the core, which I think is also a, a clear sign of strength, right? And the reason why I say that is, is cryptocurrency, a blockchain, this space is fast. Right? Things are changing all the time. A project that's one year old can have technology that can already be kind of uh, antiquated, so to speak. And, you know, ARC, Arc launched their, their project uh, in 2016. And throughout 2017, they learned there's things that we can upgrade in our core to make it better. And they said, all right, let's do it. We will completely rebuild our core, right, which is what they're doing right now. And they will be launching this core pretty soon, I would say, within the next one to two months. So I expected this, this quarter still. This is my expectation. And like I said, the new core will have a, a bunch of additional features. For, but the most important thing is it makes the network more stable, even more secure than it is already today. It will have more dynamic fees in that sense, which is great for people that um, that are using Arc. Uh, and I'm sure there's a bunch of things that they even haven't told us, right? But that we will see once they uh, once they launch it. But that's such a clear sign of strength to me that you say, hey, there's been so many developments throughout the year on the technical front. Let's let's take this up and rebuild our core because that was not in the initial plans. Um, and then two other features that I think that are important to note is one is the, the ARC virtual machine. And we touched upon that in the beginning. 
Um, that's pretty close to completion as well. I think it's a, at roughly 70% right now if you look at the roadmap. So that's, that's getting close. Um, that's basically to kind of simplify it a little bit. Um, you know, you can have a blockchain, but it would be cool if you could do all kinds of things with that blockchain. So having the Arc virtual machine would provide developers with all kinds of uh, basic features and tools and capabilities that are then already uh, possible to run on the blockchain. I think with Ethereum, you could take the example of smart contracts, for instance. If you uh, uh, run a Ethereum blockchain, then you can use smart contract functionality because it has the Ethereum virtual machine. And then the third one, which we've mentioned a bunch of times now already, but it's such a cool feature, is this push-button deployable blockchain, right? So Arc making it very simple for others to then uh, kind of launch their own blockchain almost with the click of a button. And I think if you combine those three features, right? So we have a slick, new, efficient core. We have the Arc virtual machine. And then you also have this this push-button deployable blockchain, that's kind of this magic combination, right? Where for companies, if these three features are there, they can really very easily start to use Arc in a variety of ways. And, and in my mind, right, that's when you will start to see Arc really kind of take off. And when we start talking about adoption, about partnerships, about seeing all kinds of projects being built on Arc, and that is a lot closer than people might realize. I think it's closer than people might realize because Arc does so much. Like, I think people are starting to get a little bit of fatigue in the crypto world because you see ICO after ICO after ICO. We're going to do this. We're going to save the world. The orangutans are going to come work for us, whatever. I mean, it's just like, it seems like it gets just out of hand. And then, like, you know, they do their ICO, and then you see a tweet or a Facebook post, like, once every month and a half, if you're lucky. And some of the, some of the like, really innovative-looking projects that, that now have tokens that are trading, you know, upwards of 100 bucks or more, uh, you haven't actually seen them do anything. And I, I'm not, you know, crapping on people just to do it, but, I mean, I've seen projects, nobody's done anything, at least that you can see, in months or years, and I think that that's why sometimes people look at, oh, yeah, well, they're another group that's going to. But I think that there's a point where you win the market over because delivered, delivered, delivered. And that's, that's something I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a phenomenon in that sense. Like I'm also sometimes amazed by companies that have valuations of billions and billions of dollars and have no working product, right? And... Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are amazed by it. For some reason, it still happens. But, you know, crypto is not always the most rational space in that sense. And a lot of crazy, <laughs> things, uh, a lot of crazy things can happen. And, but at least, you know, that's the nice thing about ARC is, is that indeed, like, a lot is being delivered, right? The, you, can, you can go to the ARC website. You can see what's being delivered. You can go to the GitHub um, you can you can see the roadmap, right, where there's a lot of features that are just done and they're out there and you can use them. And, you know, Arc is also not, you know, running on somebody else's blockchain or anything like that. Like, it's its own blockchain, right? Like, it's built, it's running out there, and it's being used. And, 
it's not vaporware or anything like that. It's really uh, delivering it at a very solid pace. Um, there was a dot com boom term right there, man. Vaporware, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. You came up kind of the same time in the tech space. Um, can you tell us about the Art Community Fund or ACF? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a cool one. So we talked a bit about you know how cool the uh, the community is, and we have our, our delegates, right? And uh, you know, to to be fair, also just to name some other delegates that do really great work for Arc, also, right? Is we have our Dutch delegates that do a lot of development work, Arcland, uh, Dr. Ten is doing great work, uh, and, and there's a bunch of other delegates as well, right, that are really uh, pushing forward Arc a lot, like uh, Jerunik, who has this whole voter bounty program. But what we then also have on top of that is we have this Arc Community Fund, um, which consists of a board. I'm also part of the of the board, so I'm part of the of the Art Community Fund board in that sense. There's also just room for our community to make proposals, right, and say, "Look, I want to build this feature for Art." You leave it. Um, no. And it actually, you know, needs some funding. It needs money. So the Art Community Fund has a pretty substantial amount of Art which we can use to fund these projects, right? And these projects also vary a lot, right? From very technical features where we need uh, a, a new programming language implemented or payment plugins on websites and whatnot. Um, and then we put out a bounty or somebody approaches us and then we fund that project, right? But it could also be a marketing proposal, for instance. Uh, we've done competitions where, you know, the Arc Wallet can have uh, a custom background if you want. So we did a, a competition with regards to who has the coolest background, and then the first and then first prize gets gets some Arc, and second prize gets some Arc. So that can be very varied, right? Also, the meetups that we're organizing, you know, if you have some costs with regards to some drinks that you want to have there because there is lots of people coming, then make a proposal to the Art Community Fund, and then uh, they will fund it or part of it, right? Of course, it depends on your proposal and how good your proposal is and the quality of work that you deliver, but it's really an entity that is separate from the core ARC team from the ARC developers or the ARC uh, founders. It's really a community-driven uh, fund. Also, the ARC board is, is voted in by the community, and they then decide on what projects to fund and what projects not to fund. And really successful projects have come out of this, but more than that, I think it's a great way of involving and activating your community when it comes to uh, developing your features further, right? Like you can depend on uh, on your development team, but why not use your entire community for development, for marketing, or for whatever project they come up with? Yeah, and I mean I've seen Arc doing things like, you know, doing things like going to some of the like shows and conferences instead of just being there with a booth, like actually doing like. Hacker spaces, we're coming and we'll teach you how to use our technology and build stuff. And I mean, that's what's good. Like I've said, like there's certain keys that make a cryptocurrency work. One has to have a utility. That there's a reason why would I use this versus uh, A, B, or C, other one, right? But the incentive for people to actually hold on to some of it, not just just trade it. Uh, but it also has to get used. 
And the more ways something can be used, the more ways it will be used, and therefore the more use it will get. And uh, so I, I'm really excited about what I've been seeing. Um, I, I'm really uh, happy to have found you guys and chosen to use my delegate. If I have people out here listening that want to know more about your delegation and the work you're doing in ARC, uh, how can they find out more about you guys? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. I mean, the one that I like the most is if you, could, if you just join the ARC Slack. Uh, you can get an invitation on the ARC website, ARC.io, uh, and then you find uh, me uh, or Token. Uh, my, my Slack name is Yokoama, but if you ask around and uh, you're saying I'm looking for the Foundry delegate, then they will point you towards us. That's one way. We're also active on Twitter, ARC the Foundry. We have our website, um, which the URL is way too long to, uh, to mention here, but... Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, I'll have it. In the, I'll have it in the notes for the podcast. So if somebody just looks up the episode at the survivalpodcast.com, they can link on over there, and uh, I'll make sure they can get to it. Ah, uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, yeah, I would say uh, you know Twitter, the website, but preferably you know join our Slack, join the Arc Slack. It's super active. It's a fun place to be. It's an interesting place to be also, and we're happy to uh, to answer any questions there if you uh, if you come to our Slack. Excellent. Well, look, Samuel, I really appreciate you being on the air with us today. I know we kind of did this on short notice uh, because I was booked out with guests until uh, almost summertime, and I wanted to get somebody from ARC on right away. So I appreciate you making adjustments and being with us today. Yeah, happy to be here. It was, uh, was my pleasure. Well, do, do you guys see now why I'm kind of excited about this, why I've, I've set up such a significant stake? The fact that you have... And I want to kind of talk about something here. Like, if you look at ARC and you look at the, the, the price charts going through December, it did go up rather dramatically and top out, like, in the 9 close to $10 range at one point. But it didn't have that, when I put out that video about everything's about to correct, it didn't have that stupid, ridiculous hockey stick. It had this steady growth. And if you look at it since the correction hitting, again, bottoming it out down in the fours, popping back up in the sixes. This thing is in a very stable pattern going forward. So to me, it's an opportunity to have an investment into a cryptocurrency that has some very unique things going on for it and will pay me 10% on my money to hold it. Um, there's other proof-of-stake things out there, but generally it's a, it's a very, very high investment um, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000 or more to even participate, and it's generally not as good. Uh, I like what I know about ARC before today, and I like what I know about ARC now after having Samuel on even more. Again, I'm not saying go out and buy this. I am saying if you are looking for a cryptocurrency to be involved with, put it in my serious consideration category, think about it, and as you're making a decision on how to invest anything from $100 to as much as you're going to invest, Make sure that it's on your radar. That's, that's why I brought it on today. All right. With that, let me remind you guys that one of the ways you can support my show with almost no effort whatsoever is when you're going to shop online, just go to tspaz.com first. When you get to tspaz, you'll see all the reviews of products I've done on Amazon. You can buy anything that I've reviewed or even haven't reviewed. And as long as you go to tspazfirst.com, you will, you will not, you will help us in the work that we do. I have something I'm bringing around. It's a book. We've sold a lot of these books. And I've heard from a lot of people that really say this book hit them. It's called Ursats in the Confederacy. Ursats are a word that we don't really 
used anymore because we don't generally have to resort to it. It's an item made or used as a substitute, typically an inferior one for something or worse. So for something else. So for instance, a lot of times in in our you know kind of colonial to uh, you know antebellum times, which is about what this is about, is that we would not have coffee because coffee you know is grown in the tropics and this is the United States uh, at this time. And especially if you lived in more rural areas, getting coffee wasn't easy. So they would roast chicory root and grind it up as a coffee substitute. That would be an ersatz. Um, in the Civil War for the South, as they were cut off by blockades, this is an excerpt from the book to give you an idea of what we're talking about here with reality of shit hitting the fan. During World War II, men and women on the home front were encouraged to, quote, use it up, wear it out, make do or do without, end quote. After reading this book, however, the men and women of the South home front did that and more. From 1941 to 1945, butchers may have asked, been asked for a free soup bone for the dog, but as the Civil War dragged on, it wasn't unusual for a Confederate butcher to hang a dressed rat in the window when one was available. Well, that kind of brings it home. The reason I think you should consider this book is we've talked about war on this show in multiple interviews, usually in some context of history, the Cold War cast, things like that, how Red Dawn was actually an anti-war movie. The United States doesn't have a single living citizen that has seen an active, full-on war on their own soil. right? I guess we have citizens of other countries that have come here, but as an American citizen living in America, you've never seen war on your own soil. This book is a sobering reminder of what that looks like because we think it can't happen again, and it can. And it also helps us understand what we're doing when we you know, commit acts of warfare in other parts of the world. This is the humanity and the reality behind it. You can believe whatever you want about our role in the world from a military standpoint, but don't you think you should understand the consequences of it, not just to the evil guy they put on TV, but to the average person who just wants to be left alone so that you can make a more informed decision. Additionally, as a prepper, you want to know about having to be prepared for the worst of times. This will make it real for you. Again, it's called Ersatz in the Confederacy. It's by Mary Elizabeth Massey. You can find it at tspaz.com or in today's write-up and review at thesurvivalpodcast.com. And remember, shop at tspaz.com, help the survival podcast. That simple. All right, so song of the day today is uh, it's a really fitting one for some of the discussion we're having on immigration right now. It's called American. It's by Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, this song is amazing in a couple of ways. One, it's just an incredible song. You listen to the whole thing, it's a story. And you you never notice something, unless you're listening for it, that you would think you would notice in any song. Not a single line rhymes at all in this song. There's not a rhyme in it. And yet, it's, so it's prose. It's like open verse prose as a poem turned into music. And it works flawlessly. It's also about, you know, Simon and Garfunkel came to the United States and... They had this idea of what that meant, that when you got to America, like everything would just be great, and everything would be when the American dream was just here for everybody, and it is, but they didn't really understand that it took something to totally partake in it. And then the other thing to me that this song speaks of is traveling, going through the country and actually understanding the people 
And that's how you get to know what America really is, because we are not what the TV says we are, good or bad. We are us. And as we realize that we are us, then we realize something that's very, very important. Mexico, or France, or Australia, or Japan, or China, or Iran, or Iraq, or Libya, or El Salvador, or Brazil. None of these countries are what the TV say they are. They're no different than us in many ways. A country is defined by its people and the culture of that people and the unifying ideas within that sphere. The danger we have in America today is an attempt to go from being a melting pot, which is what our foundation, when they say we're built on immigration, yes, we are built on immigration in a melting pot model. We're now trying to move to a vulcanization model. This is multiculturalism. Where the identity of the immigrant that they had when they got here is more important than their new identity is being a resident and eventually someday a citizen of America. It's a very dangerous thing for a country. It really is. There's nothing wrong with being proud of who you are or where you're from. Though I do find it ironic that we actually take pride in an accident of birth. That we had nothing to do with. It just happened to us. But when you so want to come to a country like America, but then you say bad things about it and fly your own flag above the flag of the nation that you needed to come to because you weren't happy where you were, we've lost the type of spirit that's in this song. But again, that's what the TV shows you, and that's what the TV tells you. And the truth of the matter is, it's neither what the liberal media makes it out, where everybody that comes here is damn near a hero, or what the right media makes it out, that everybody that comes here is just a parasite. The truth always lies somewhere in the middle. And the truth lies with the people. To know America, you must know the people of America. And for America to survive, the culture of those people must survive as well. And those who come here should add to that culture, not separate themselves from it and try to act like a bubble within it. And we shouldn't try to prevent any of those things from coming into our own as well. There's things that don't make sense to me. And some of those and those things aren't going to see in a melting pot. You don't have to worry about that. In a melting pot, you don't have to worry about Sharia law. That shit's not going to fly here. I know some people are thinking that right now. But customs and just who people are, it's what made this the, na the nation the greatest nation that it could, could, could ever be conceived of, I think. I really do. And to get back to a point where you know everybody says they want us to be welcoming, we have to get back to that mindset and the mindset that I hear in this song. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Saginaw, I've come 
Cause I'm the new Jersey Turnpike, they've all come. 